26, Matthew chapter number 26, go down to verse number 17. The Bible says, Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. How many would like that job? Hey, the Lord told me you're fixing to give us a room, and we're fixing to use it to take the Passover. All right? <laughs> I'm going to try that one time at a dealership. Lord told me he's going to give me that brand new. <laughs> He'll say, son, that wasn't the Lord. <laughs> You're probably right. I was just trying. <laughs> and the disciples, verse number 19, did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening or even, even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful. It began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. I believe if you were there that night, you could feel the atmosphere change. They had come together for a meal, and now Jesus has brought up this this topic of betrayal and not that they are capable of it but because we know they are but the fact that he knew it was going to take place and that who was going to do it was sitting in the room with him and the bible said as they were eating jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Verse number 30, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus would eventually be betrayed, go to Gethsemane, pray. Sweat comes like great drops of blood. He'd die, give his life a ransom on Calvary, raise again the third day. But let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, I ask you tonight, Lord, would you give me clarity, a thought, clarity of word. Lord, the Lord, your supper is not a light thing. It's not a, a flippant thing, Lord. It is a holy thing. It is something, God, that you've preserved and you've allowed that to continue on to our day and our age. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you'd give us a biblical focus and a biblical uh, eyesight on it tonight. Lord, not just what we've always heard and not whatever somebody else has said, but what does the word of God say? And I pray, Lord, that'd be the stance that our church takes and the stance that we believe and we follow. 
And I pray, Lord, that through this, God, our church would be more unified and strengthened and encouraged. God, give us ears to hear and a heart of understanding tonight. And help us, Lord, to get some things settled concerning this. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we thank you again for being so good to us. Lord, thank you for our church. Lord, thank you for a place on the side of a highway. Lord, that so many people drive by wondering what we're doing here. Why are there, why are there people there on a Sunday night? Why are they there on Wednesday night? Why are they there early on Sunday? What is going on there? Lord, I'm so thankful tonight that I know what's going on. I know what you're trying and what you desire to do here. And I'm just thankful to be part of it. We just pray, Lord, tonight that you continue to work in our church, send revival, work in the midst of your people, give us a burden for souls, a burden for the will of God in our life, a burden to serve you like we never have before. Lord, we see things playing out in front of us tonight. Lord, it's, it's not hidden behind things anymore. We're not, we're not trying to guess and, and estimate, Lord. We, we see it so clearly tonight. It ought to give us a burden. Lord, your, your word tells us to wake out of our sleep. It is now high time to serve you and to live for you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now tonight of our, this is, we're gonna begin a study on the Lord's Supper and <laughs> the way things are going late, I can't tell you how many weeks we're gonna study on it, amen? We're just gonna study it until we get through it. And uh, may, may go faster than Proverbs, I don't know. Uh, just, I just take it moment by moment and day by day and Lord, whatever you see fit, Lord, this is your church, these are your people, I'm just the, the, I'm just the preacher here, Lord, and you just use me however you want to. But we, we know baptism, we talked about that, how baptism is a wonderful picture of that inward work that already took a place in us. And we know that if we believe in the Bible teaches believers baptism, that baptism does not save you, but baptism will take place after you're saved and there's a public declaration that of the change that Christ has made inside of you. There's that picture of the death and the burial the res, and the, then the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ by immersion but tonight, as we look into the Lord's Supper, there's, there's a lot, and it's kind of like the same with baptism, right? There's a lot of opinions about the Lord's Supper. There's a lot of uh, interpretations of the Lord's Supper, a lot of viewpoints on the Lord's Supper. Uh, I would say go home and Google the Lord's Supper, but I don't want you to get confused and, and lost out here you because know, somebody's got something to say. In the day and age we live in, those who probably shouldn't say something feel the opportunity to always say something. But we see it or not, there, there, there's, there's these differences here. Some are extreme and some are minor, right? There's some things that maybe two people don't necessarily see eye to eye on concerning the Lord's Supper, but it's not life-threatening. It's not, it's not heresy level. Some are biblical, some are unbiblical. Some are traditional, some are untraditional. I was researching and studying and found out there are some people, their idea of the Lord's Supper, I said, where in the world did they find that in the Bible? Where, where is that at in there? And not just on things they believe, but even just how they practice it. Where does this come from? So we'll preach, how in the world are we gonna sort, our, how are we gonna sort through all this? How are we gonna make sense of this? Well, anything we're gonna try to do at South Haven Baptist Church, what does this book say? What does, it, what does it clearly teach us and tell us tonight? And we're gonna go from there. That's why I encourage you and I highly recommend you, if I could force you, I would, but I can't, to bring your Bible to church. Why? That way you can follow right along because what I say 
isn't really going to change your life. What that book says will anchor your soul for the rest of eternity. But thankfully tonight, the Bible does an awesome job of clearing up and straightening out the issues concerning the Lord's Supper. And so we'll look at the initials Lord's Supper tonight and, and see what truths we can pull out of out of here, Matthew chapter number 26. Uh, you want to give it a title, we could say the initial Lord's Supper. But we see first of all tonight that initially what takes place here has a lot of symbolism behind it. A lot of things that are symbolic and a lot of things that, that on the outside they are small objects, but when viewed in the entirety of scripture, they carry great weight and great understanding. Now here's the interesting thing. If you were to go find the disciples after this and said, hey, how was the Lord's Supper? They would have looked at you and said, what are you talking about? We did not just partake of the Lord's Supper. We had sat in an upper room and we were uh, observing the Passover and more specifically, the Bible says, and right there in verse number 17, it was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so we see her tonight, and then when we, we kind of break this down tonight, we'll, and you got to kind of go back into your Bible and, and understand and, and, and research, well, what in the world was the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Well, it was a religious observance of the Jews that, that was put in place to help them remember when God brought Israel out of Egypt. And we know the story that because they went with such haste out of Egypt, Pharaoh finally gave them the go-ahead. We know that they, they were so quick that their bread had no leaven in it. And they ran out of Egypt with unleavened bread. We can go back there and then also into the book of Exodus where God begins to provide manna, that which was unleavened, and providing it there to the nation of Israel. And so this time of the year and this time on their calendar was a time set apart to remember when God brought them out of the land of Egypt and eventually into the promised land. The feast remembered Israel's exodus out of Egypt. And I found something interesting as I was studying. It said that the head of the household during this time would take a piece of unleavened bread and he would stand up and he would break it before his family and he would say something along these lines. This is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in Egypt. And a reminder that great bondage that they were in and that great struggle that they had went through and the great battle they had faced and how God had broke the bondage of Egypt by taking them through the Red Sea. Now, here's an interesting thought. I begin to think about this, that when that head of the household and here, Jesus being the head of his disciples is fulfilling that role. He is, he is keeping the custom, so to speak. And, and he would have said something along those lines during this, this Passover feast of unleavened bread. But I begin to think about this. Nowhere in our Bible is recorded that when that head of household would stand up with that unleavened bread, that wafer of sorts, none of those in the room thought that it was the original piece of bread that Israel had brought out of Egypt. Nor did they think that by a simple prayer, that piece of bread turned back into the original piece of bread. And just keep that in mind as we go through this tonight. And, and it's, it's an interesting thing when it comes to our, how many are glad your Bible can clear some things up and can straighten some things out tonight. And I don't come to you as a know-it-all. I come to you as someone who is in your shoes tonight saying, Lord, what is right? 
What is best? Lord, what are you teaching us here? In much way, in the same way, we partake of the Lord's Supper through symbols. Right? It's bread and grape juice. Bread, unleavened bread, crackers of a sort, and grape juice tonight. And there it would have held a resemblance to them. And tonight, when you and I partake of it, it holds a resemblance to us. The bread represents the body of Christ. Verse number 26 tells us that. And that juice represents the blood. Verse number 27 tells us that tonight. And we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But we see here tonight that the Lord's Supper, it, it's, it symbolizes something uh, to an out, in an outward sense, in a public sense, just like baptism symbolizes publicly of an inward work. When you and I partake of the Lord's Supper, we are publicly identifying ourselves with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. How he was bruised for our iniquities, how he suffered on the cross of Calvary, how he shed his blood for us. When we partake of it, we're saying, I identify with him. He did that for me, and I want the whole world to know it. And so we see the symbolism of the Lord's Supper. But notice this here in verses 21 through 25, we find out this time was a time of reflection and inspection. Verse 21 down to verse 25, Jesus starts it off. He's saying that one of you shall betray me. Now, how many believe tonight that the word of God is inspired and every word that's in there is supposed to be in there? Amen. I'm right there with you. Amen. We're all on the same page. Now, look at verse number 22. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Lord, can I be the one? So we see at 11 of them say, Lord, is it I? Am I going to be the one to betray you, Lord? I don't want to, but I know I'm capable. I, I know I have the ability. Well, how many of us know tonight that we don't want to betray the Lord? We don't want to disobey him. We don't want to go in the wrong direction, but how many of us know that we're capable tonight? We all have that ability. And so when it comes time to the Lord's Supper before you partake of it, there's a time where you search your heart and you, you, you ask God to reveal those things within your heart because you don't want them to be there, but you know you're capable of having things like that there. So we see 11 of them ask, Lord, is it I? But then go down to verse number 25. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? The whole group says, Lord, is it I? And the Bible said, Judas, which would betray him, said, Master, is it I? And can I tell you, for the majority of my Christian life, I would never thought anything twice about that. I mean, it's a, it's a proper greeting, it's a respectful greeting, but it doesn't sound like the previous greeting. See, those first 11 said, Lord, they were honoring him. They had him in that position in their heart, in their mind, that he is God Jehovah. He is the son of God. He is the king of kings. And he is, Lord, is it I? But Judas said, Master. That is the, the Hebrew word for rabbi, teacher. We have a group over here saying he is God. 
Here's Judas's heart. He reveals that you're, you're a good teacher. You're a good man. Is it I? Here's the thing. Judas knew in his heart he was. He had already made the deal. He had already put the, 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 the wheels into motion tonight. He knew that. And I just happened to wonder if maybe the Lord brought it up to give Judas a chance to get his heart right. Here's Judas, he's gone in secret to the Sanhedrin. He's gone in secret to the religious crowd of the day. Listen, I'll sell him out. I'll betray him with a kiss. He will, I, 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 will, I will point him out to you. Here Jesus says, listen, I know what you're up to. I know what you've already planned. And I'm gonna let you know that I already know with the hopes that you'd get it right. Can I say tonight, we have to remember that you and I can't play with sin. You can hide it from your spouse, you can hide it from your preacher, you can hide it from your kids, but you cannot hide it from God. And we take the Lord's Supper, it's a serious moment, it's a serious thing. We don't take it flippantly, we don't take it as, as just another religious occurrence in the church. It is a, it's a holy thing. Before we take it, we ought to take it seriously. One of the purposes of the Lord's Supper is for you and I, one, to get our heart right if it's wrong, and two, to get our focus back on God if it's off be reminded of what he did for us and how he died for us. We should reflect, why? Because we know we are capable of messing up. We know that we are capable of getting out of step. We know that we are capable of being disobedient. We know that we are capable of choosing the wrong thing. We know we are capable of that and not just we're capable, that we've done it before. And so when we sit down to take the Lord's Supper, we, and we, before we, we get in there, and it's not going to be one of those, all right, hurry up, get it done, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. You've got to take, it, take some time and search your heart. Lord, if there be any wicked way in my life, reveal it to me so I can repent it of it and get it right. I was talking with a fellow pastor. He said, Brother Tate, the, the Lord's Supper is a, a time of cleansing for the body of Christ. He said, it's time of getting those things right. So we should reflect, but then we also should inspect. Judas didn't have the right viewpoint of God, the right stance on Jesus. Yes, Jesus is a good teacher. He's the best. I mean, I can't think of a better one than him. And Judas wasn't necessarily being disrespectful in his regard, but he was saying, Lord, you're a great teacher, but I'm not with that other crowd over there that called you Lord. So it takes a time of inspection. Am I viewing the Lord with the right focus and the right attitude? He's God Almighty. He is, he is, he is, there's none above him. Everything else is below him. But is he that in my life? Is he that in my attitude? Is he that in my dreams and my aspirations? He's God all by himself. He doesn't need me to make, God, make him God, but I do need to recognize that he is and have him in his right place and in my life. And so it's a time of reflection and inspection. Then notice this, the, the Lord's Supper is a time of intake. Right there is an action to it, just like there is with baptism, Right? How crazy would it be? 
If I said, hey, listen, y'all come next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to baptize those that have been saved and here at the church and, and, and everybody gets here, everybody goes back there and changes and then they walk into the baptistry and I go like this and I bring them up and there ain't no water there. You know what we've done? We've done the tango. <laughs> Dip, bring them back up. In essence, tonight there's an action there or you can't just say, well, I, I mean, I, I thought about getting baptized. Isn't that the same thing? No. There's an action that needs to play, take place there. And so we have the Lord's Supper. There is an action of where that bread is passed out and we as a body take that bread and we put it in our mouth and we, we chew it and we swallow. And as we do that, we're reminded of how his body was broken for us. How we were reminded of Isaiah chapter number 53. Isaiah 53, let's see here, verse number five where it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. As we partake of that body, we're reminded of the buffeting. We're reminded of the beard being plucked out. We're reminded of the spit in the face. We're reminded of, of the, the, just the, 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 the torture and the, and, and, and the making fun of and all that he went through for me. And all that he went through for you. As we partake of the bread, we're reminded of our substitute, or his substitutionary death. That's a big word meaning he died in my place and he died in your place. Hebrews tells us that he, that for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and he despised the shame, but he went through it. He experienced it so that you and I would never have to. You and I would never have to go through that. And what little we go through down here we find ourselves in a wonderful place of fellowship with him when we do. Because we are, we, we, I think Paul said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So we partake of the bread, we're reminded of the body of Christ that was beaten and bruised for us. And then we partake of the juice and we're reminded of the blood of Christ that purchased our redemption. It reminds us of 1 Peter chapter number one, verse Number 18, where the Bible says, for, much, for as much as we know that we are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from our vain conversation, received by tradition from your father. Hey, there's a lot of people when they partake of the Lord's Supper or what they call the Lord's Supper, it's nothing more than tradition. It's nothing more than what the people did before them and did before them. There's no Bible behind it. There's no power behind it. There's no symbolism behind it. It's nothing but tradition. Can I say tonight that God did not save you and I so that you and I could become religious. He saved us so we could have a relationship. Look at verse number 19. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Well, he shed every ounce of blood for you and I, for you and me. Had you been the only one, he still would have done it. But he did it for every man. And when you and I partake of that grape juice, it's not because we're thirsty. It's not because uh, we like grape juice per se. It's not because everybody else is doing it. We are reminded of how precious his blood is to us. There's a time of intake. 
verses 26 to 29, Jesus said, uh, and they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament which is said for many for the remission of sins. <laughs> I could see, I mean, you, you've got to realize there are, some, there are some changing atmospheres going on here. They've sat down for a, a time where they're to remember God bringing Israel out of Egypt and Jesus just puts that to a halt real quick and says, when are y'all gonna betray me? They're trying to figure out who it is and who's gonna do it. And then in the midst of that, Jesus brings out the bread and the, the, the cup of juice and says, hey, this is my body and this is my blood that'll be shed for you for the remission of sins and this will be broken for you so you don't have to go through that and experience that. And I can see Peter's over there shaking. Lord, what are you talking about? Or what are you, what, what's up with the bread? And the, Lord, I, I, I've never been to a feast of unleavened bread like this. Jesus was changing the script. He was, he was taking their eyes off of Egypt and Israel and putting it on Calvary, putting it on redemption's work. The whole purpose of the Lord's Supper tonight is for you and I to get our eyes back on what Christ did for us at the cross of Calvary. And tonight, when we partake of it in just a few weeks, I'd start praying, Lord, make it fresh in my mind, make it fresh in my heart of what you did for me a time of intake and then notice this tonight it's a time of worship look at verse number 30 this is one of the verses in my Bible that's always just stood out to me and when they had sung a hymn they went out to the Mount of Olives I mean normally normally them hymns come in at the end when it's been good Right, when, it, when the singing's been on, the preacher's just reared back and his lungs are somewhere back there on the back wall. And we stand up for time of invitation or we stand up and they begin to sing a hymn and man, it just, it's just so wonderful. <laughs> I really wouldn't say there was revival taking place here. What you and I would consider revival. There's been a calling out. There's been a great reminder. Jesus, hey fellas, let's sing. Let's sing. I'd have loved to hear the Lord teach, but I can read his words. I'd have loved to hear those words come out of his mouth as he was standing there on the hillsides of Israel preaching and teaching. But imagine how he sung. I can't even wrap my mind around that. It just would have been absolutely perfect. But for the longest, what did they sing? What hymn did they sing? They didn't have the red book. Jesus didn't say, all right, fellas, turn to 57. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. Turn to 120, Victory in Jesus. 346, I know my name is there. Six, I want to know more about my Lord. He said, I know everything about me. But I began to look it up, and more than likely during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the song that would have been sung here 
would have been the song that was recorded that Moses sang after they crossed through the Red Sea. They would have sang it as a remembrance and a reminder. And that's Exodus 15 in your Bible. And I turned over there and began to read this verse, Exodus 15, verse number one. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Jesus begins out talking about, I'm gonna betray one of y'all are gonna do it. He said, I'm fixing to die for you. This bread will remind you of what they do to my body. This blood will remind you of that which is shed on you for the cross of Calvary. He said, but fellas, let's sing a song. I need you to know that we're not losing this thing. This thing isn't falling apart. I will be victorious, what it said right there. And he had triumphed gloriously. <laughs> Boy, how many of you knew the Lord knew what he was singing? <laughs> he said, y'all just wait three days and I will triumph gloriously. <laughs> He's a man, how many of you glad that God fought the war of sin and defeated sin totally and completely? He fought the war against Satan, defeated him, fought the war against death, defeated him, fought the war against the grave and defeated him, Amen. <laughs> Oh, it's a solemn time. It's a holy time. But when done right, when it's all said and done, and we've partook of the Lord's Supper, I think we ought to be able to sing that he hath triumphed, triumphed gloriously in our lives. It's to end in a time of worship. Tonight we look at the initial Lord's Supper, and we're the only ones that call it that. Them fellas that night wouldn't have called it. They had a, said it was a feast of unleavened bread and it was one like they never had before. But it's one they'll never forget. And tonight we pulled out some truths from it. How many are glad for the body that Jesus gave up for us? How many are glad for the blood that he shed for us? And so in a few weeks when we partake, just let it be fresh on your mind. Just hang around Calvary for a little bit. Hang around the tomb for a little bit. And let that work in your heart as you prepare to take the Lord's Supper in just a few weeks. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this evening.